I think you just need a type of hunger in you and you need that desire to be better. Some people just really want to get good and some people just want to get good, but it's more of like on a wish basis. But if somebody told them all the work and it is like serious work, then they might not want to do that. So I think it's all about the drive and the willingness to improve. Welcome to Challenger Insights, where we dive into the minds of the best League of Legends players to figure out how they think about the game. I'm your host, Lucas, and today I'm joined by Nail. He's a Challenger Aatrox OTP, and even though he's only played ranked for three years, he's reached up to 800 LP in Challenger, and he's the number one Aatrox in Europe. Before we get started, we're doing a live Q&A with Nail in the Challenger Insights Discord. It'll be happening this Saturday, October 9th, at 1pm Central Time or 7pm in the UK. The link for the Discord will be in the show notes. Be sure to join, as you can also find transcripts for each episode, and you'll be notified when a new episode comes out. Nayul, it's great to have you here. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. So, let's talk about Aatrox. Um, first of all, how would you describe the champion? Um... I would describe Aatrox as a mid to short range drain tank, which probably focuses more on shorter trades than all-ins. Aatrox is more of a team player and also a important asset to the team, as well as him being pretty dependent on the team, unlike other top laners who prefer to be more on their own and more successful when they're on their own. On their own. Okay. So what's kind of your idea going into the game then? Like, how do you want to play around your team? Uh, the best thing, basically, that you can do on, as Aatrox for your team is to make sure that you do not fall behind, that you hit your power spikes as fast as possible to the point where once your team needs you, that you are the strongest that you could be and you provide the necessary CC, also damage and tankiness through your healing to protect your team indirectly and soak a lot of damage. Awesome. Um, if you were to compare yourself to other Aatrox players, what do you do differently that sets you apart? Where do you tend to get your advantage? Um, what most Aatrox players do is that, you know, most Aatrox players probably have played other champions, you know, they might be jumping from Riven to Aatrox because they think that's like similar playstyle and stuff like that, or maybe set or whatever. What I think most Aatrox players do wrong is that they think that they can do much early when they really can't. It is possible to get an advantage, for example, on level 1, but especially with leashing, Aatrox's level 1, in my opinion, is probably one of the worst in the whole game. So I think a lot of Aatrox players lose their lane and ultimately probably also the game because they're just too, I don't want to say cocky, but too confident in their strength, which they probably don't have at level one. So that's that's interesting. Um, so you you say that your advantage is chilling, <laughs> like not playing too aggressive. That's interesting. That's like a healthy middle, though. You know, it's not like th there's no winning matchups. You can definitely do something level one. But for example, uh, you know, you might go into lane level one, and you might throw out your Q, which you definitely should. But since as I said, Aatrox's level one is absolutely like horrible compared to, for example, 
Rivens or Fioras, you need to know when to back up and when you are just a weaker champion in this particular situation because your time is not here yet where you're strong. So, yeah. Okay. How long does that stay the case? Because you say his level one is weak, but you know, at what point do you switch out of that mindset and actually start doing things? So basically what you can do is, you know, you go to lane after leashing or maybe not. It depends. You know, leashing has a big impact on how the lane goes since you, if you don't leash, you're already there. And if you leash, then the enemy top laner might be pushing already. So it's even more difficult for you to play the game. Um, so what you can do is obviously you try the level one. And what happens after that is that you either get the priority, which means that you have more minions and the enemy wave will die faster, which also means that you will get the level faster. That's when you can actually be like quite dominant and try to like contest minions. But that re really rarely happens. You must have played the first Q on level one extremely well for that to happen. So most of the time what's going to happen is you're going to try the Q. Maybe it's decent or maybe it's all right, but it probably won't be enough against like champions of, like Fiora and Set who just knock away the wave and like, 2.5 seconds. So what's going to happen is you always want to play back. You, uh, If you have to, try to use your Q for last hits, but missing last hits is not a problem at all. What is a problem is missing XP. So as long as you stand back and you're in XP range, the first three waves until you're under turret, your job is to stay full HP so you don't get dope on the fourth or third wave, and then you start a slow push to the enemy team, and then that's when I probably hit like level 3 or 4, and that's when I can try to look for good trades or predictions or whatever, contesting minions, you know, whatever the thing is that I might need in a specific ma specific matchup. Okay, cool. So obviously Aatrox is very Q reliant, and even as you mentioned, like the very first Q in the lane can be quite important. How do you go about practicing, you know, landing Qs and, and how do you get better at that? There's a couple of things about that. First thing is that a lot of people panic. Um, which means that they do not take their time when they queue. They see the enemy taking maybe a step forward, they instantly blow their queue, they maybe don't hit a crit or maybe they don't hit at all, which is just catastrophic, because if you don't know, Aatrox's queue cooldown on level 1 is 14 or 10 seconds. Basically, if you use your third queue, you know, the, the last one, the cooldown is 14, and if you only use the first two, the cooldown is still on 10 seconds. Like, you get refunded if you don't finish the combo. But even 10 seconds is just way too high. And in 10 seconds, the enemy top laner can just take four minions. And if he didn't use his spells, you can't basically do anything for 10 seconds or you're just going to get punished. So what I tell people to like who want to get better, it's most of the time better to not use Q at all than use it in a panical way, if that makes sense. Because it has a huge cooldown and it just opens you up. So even if you don't use it, there is the threat of that you might use it if the enemy top laner does something. Like if the enemy top laner sees you, blow it, he can just do whatever he wants. But if he, he knows you still have it up, it's more pressure than when you just miss it. But what, what, what helped me to hit more cues, especially the first cue, is that when the enemy top laner goes for a last hit, or goes to push in general, you kind of know where he's going to stand. So you use the minions, your minions, not the enemies, because the enemy top laner is hitting your minions. You use those to have a like a approximate direction and an angle where you can queue, because when the enemy top laner hits your minion, he's going to have to stand in front of it. So you just aim at your minion, basically, instead of the enemy champion. So that's how I do my queues most of the time. Okay, awesome. 
So you mentioned like wasting Q being pretty much the, the, the worst mistake that you can make, right? As, as Aatrox. What are some of the other common mistakes that people make that you know how to avoid on Aatrox? People not uh, respecting how important Aatrox W is and how absolutely fatal it is to misuse it. Um, so basically after the, you know, depending on if you got prior or not, or if the enemy got prior and you still push back or whatever happened, like in the more later laning phase after he hit like three, four or five, Aatrox W has, I, I, I always joke around a like 26 year cooldown because that skill is a very high cooldown. So if you use your W once, you better use it for something important. So it either be to hit a big combo because the W is the main tool for Aatrox's main damage combo. So if you misuse it by just blowing it to randomly sides or whatever, or maybe using it to last hit a minion, which you absolutely can do, but you can't do it at the wrong time. So you really need to manage your W cooldown, which is like super, super important. You always want to get the max out of that one. Like if you don't, if you miss that, you're basically just a two skill champion and the E doesn't even do damage. So you're even more reliant on your in early pretty weak skills. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Let's talk about the, uh, the setup real quick, because I want to know about the runes and summoners. What do you usually run here? Um, I'm the classic Flash DP top laner. I do not think highly of Flash Ignite, especially in high elo. Just TP is just way too broken, in my opinion. It's not like it's impossible. You can go Flash Ignite, especially in lower elos. It's not that bad. Me, personally, I just love Flash TP. You can go Ignite TP, but I think that's very matchup dependent. And I think you can't do that in every matchup because Aatrox is just extremely, extremely, extremely Flash dependent he can get a lot of value out of flash especially with his cues and like his whole kit just loves that little gap closing on top of his e but i would say against matchups who like also run ignite and tp you can technically go ignite um tp that would be like maybe against an akali because akali you know if you want to play against an akali you have to kill her early so going ignite might not be a problem but if you're a good player i think you don't need it um against gwen you can do that because she's quite a mobile but me personally, I love the classic Flash TP. Okay. And as for runes? Um, my runes are quite unique. I love to ob obviously go Conqueror, then obviously the Triumph. And what makes me different is that I love to run Alacrity and then the last stand because Bruisers, you know, if you don't go last stand on Bruisers, then you're just inting because Coupe de Gras is just a, in my opinion, a rune for ADCs and Cutdown is pretty bad on Aatrox since you're building HP basically and you will never have somebody more tankier than you so that last stand is really insane and on secondary I always run unflinching since you don't have the legend tenacity so if you don't go unflinching then it's going to be really bad plus people haven't noticed how absolutely broken unflinching is like if you're low enough it gives up to 30% tenacity and 30% slow resistance which is if you truly think about it, extremely huge for being a secondary rune. And then I run um, Second Wind or Bone Plating, depending on the matchup. But what I tell people is that if you're not comfortable with Bone Plating, because Bone Plating is more of an interactive rune, then you can pretty much go Second Wind in all of your matchups. Unironically, all of your matchups. It will always be decent on Aatrox. And I go double adaptive damage into one armor or one... Magic resist, you know, depending on how I play against. Okay. Um, for bone plating and second wind, when do you switch these? 
Um, there's like champions on top lane matchups where bone plating can be a factor, you know. But in my opinion, bone plating is more of an I want to say aggressive rune because if you want to go bone plating, it means that you have to use bone plating. And how is bone plating being used? Basically, you get attacked, and then the next three attacks that you tank are getting blocked, which means that you, you know, once you encounter the enemy, you must keep on fighting and you must force a trade. So it's not like if you get hit by bone plating, you, you shouldn't just run away and then let it run out without it blocking anything, which means that you have to be more aggressive if you go bone plating. So if you don't like that, that's why I say you can always go second wind. But you can't go bone plating into every matchup because if you play against, for example, uh, Lucian, then he's just going to auto-attack you once, it's gone, and then he can like terrorize you for 45 seconds. While if he auto-attacks you once and you have second wind, you get the quick regeneration. But bone plating is huge against champions like Set, because what happens against Set is most of the time they skill E, level 1, and when you contest the 3 melee minions, he's going to pull you, and then he's going to auto-attack you like with the you know with his left and his right punch and that's going to be blocked immediately and if he just pulls you but doesn't punch you you get to hit your Qs basically for free because you're already like inside of a sit box so against set i think bomb plating is extremely huge because it's very easy for a set to get countered by your bomb plating same goes to renekton because renekton's w is a three instance spell so if you have bomb plating up and you just get hit by the w the whole thing is going to get blocked which is quite huge. Same goes for Wukong, because Wukong ease you, then he has to, you know, the attack speed buff, out attack, out attack, out attack. If he just ease you and then backs up, it's quite useless and you can punish him by that. So, yeah. But like, against champions like Camille, who spam W most of the laning, then bomb plating might not be that good. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. So, yeah, let's get back to the laning phase for a bit. Um, earlier you talked about uh, how you play around Aatrox's weak level 1 um, how do you end up positioning yourself in the lane during those early levels? Uh, and how much can you actually farm while you're weak? Uh, as I already said, like you most of the time, not always, but most of the time, just want to chill until you get levels, right? So the limit test on Aatrox basically is that you try to miss as less minions as possible without being punished, which takes a lot of practice, but the best thing you can do is just. I guess, die a bunch of times and know when you can go for minions and when not. Because if you just AFK, you will never know what minions you could have gotten and what not. So you need to know when to go for a last hit and like, okay, yeah, this is a safe minion that I could last hit. And when it's like, okay, no, if I go for this minion, he will, like, the enemy will do this and that and I will probably be chunked or even get killed. So that's like the main goal in the early phase is obviously, you know, level one, you try to get priority like every laner does. But if that doesn't work out, you always want to play behind. So you don't want to play forward unless you have priority, of course. But that's, you know, most of the time not going to happen. So, yeah, you just want to, I think, make sure that you lose as few minions as possible. But as I said, losing minions, last hits, not XP, is not a big problem on Aatrox in early level. That's completely fine. And you should not get discouraged if at minute six, the enemy top laner might have a five to ten minion lead over you. That's completely normal and makes absolute sense. Okay, so when you talk about knowing which minions to go for, I assume that you're usually using your Q just to farm safely, right? But the cooldown is high enough that you can't, you know, consistently get all the minions. Is there like a, a smart way to go around which minions you want to Q and which you want to auto attack? You know, how do you choose that? 
Um, I mean, it makes in general more more sense to if you have to queue for a minion that it is a caster minion because the melee minions are obviously in melee. So especially when you have your passive up, which makes you have a more ranged auto attack, it makes more sense to try to last hit with auto attacks the melees. If that doesn't work out, then that's fine as well. And if you have to queue, um, then it should be either the caster or the cannon minion. So I think that's the best thing you can do. Okay. Um, are there any matchups where this kind of changes? Are there any matchups where you can actually play more aggressively than you usually would? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. People would disagree with me on that, but that's just my opinion. I think, for example, against champions like uh, Ilawi, Chogat, champions who just don't have that much level 1 power, champions who don't deal that much damage on the wave, I think you can just be confident in that lane. You know, champions that don't have a million dashes, were pretty clunky, like Mundo, you know, Garen, Malphite, Mordekaiser. I think Mordekaiser is extremely easy. Then that's when you can basically just walk confident in lane and that you know the enemy has no escape and you should be able to hit at least, you know, first crit of the queue and then maybe the non-crit part of the second queue and like just maybe an auto-attack passive in. And if you don't get the auto-attack passive in, you get to auto-attack the wave and then that's how you get the priority because if you Aatrox queue somebody in top lane, the non-crit part is still going to hit the minions. So while you're trying to out-trade or like trade the enemy, you also are indirectly pushing because it's that much of an AoE effect. It's like a three-part Mordekaiser queue because it's that big of a... Like Aatrox queue covers the whole wave, basically. So that's how you can gain control. And I think you can do that against most clunky kind of champions, which has, uh, like I said, it would be also Nazos, Singed, Ilawi, but also ranged champions like Vladimir, for example. Vladimir level 1 is extremely useless, so I think you can gain control over those type of champions pretty easily. Okay. Um, You mentioned that in those cases, you are automatically pushing the wave, or, you know, maybe you even want to push that. How vulnerable is Aatrox to ganks? Um, Isn't it a problem if you're pushing too much? My rule, um, which I also tell everybody is you never want to push and what people don't understand when i say that is that there's like different terms you know there's freezing there's neutral wave there's pushing and there's slow pushing and what you always want to do is you never want to push unless you have a reason so when i say that you know you win a trade level one it doesn't even, it doesn't even have to be against a weak champion that can happen against like renekton if you like hit a good Q combo against Renekton and he's like lower HP than you and you have control over the wave. What you should not do is just perma auto attack the wave for no reason. So what you should do is always last hit, but because you have the stronger wave, it is automatically going to push. So you always want to slow push. So you always look for last hits and you try to play the lane as slow as possible. And like you said, um, Aatrox is, I mean, you didn't say that, but Aatrox is extremely not vulnerable to ganks, but if a gank is successful on Aatrox, you have a big problem. Maybe not as big as a problem as some other time, but no matter what, like sometimes you can get ganked, but it's not as bad as it could be. But being ganked and like successfully ganked on is a huge problem for Aatrox. So what you want to do is always slow push, because if you slow push, the first of all, the enemy top laner loses minions if you have the control because his minions are still going to hit yours and he's going to miss those last hits. So that's nice. So if you have a gold advantage, your minions are going to be, you know, you, you're going to have more minions than the enemy. They're going to be healthier, which means that you're going to have a 
level advantage, which is good. And if you have a big wave, for example, like two and a half waves stacked up, and you have a level advantage over the enemy, and you're slow pushing towards the tower, junglers are extremely, extremely squishy, especially early on. So if you have a big slow push wave, and the enemy top lane is a level behind, they, most of the time, you know, sometimes, sadly, there are champion combos like Renekton and Talia or Renekton and Elise, who can probably even kill you through that. But most junglers are not able to successfully gank inside of a slow push. So if you have your little army of minions, and the jungler comes, and you're confident enough, and you're not necessarily 1 HP, you can definitely just, if you play it cleanly, just go for the one shot on the jungler, and then the enemy team has a big problem. So, yeah. Okay, so mostly looking to slow push and... Always. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, how do you deal with ranged top laners? That's an interesting question because I kind of know the theory to that, but it's hard for me to apply because I'm a pretty egotistical player and I'm pretty impatient, which is kind of bad for an Atrox player. But the theory is that you really, really want to give up almost everything depending on what range top laner it is. You know, against Vayne, it's way more important to give up than against Gnar, for example, because Vayne has a way bigger wave, she's way more mobile, and she has way more burst potential, I would say, early on. So what happens is that you're probably going to enter the lane, and what champions like Vayne and Lucian do is they always just want to straight up stat check you by auto-attacking you, and you just have to give it up, but not too much. Like If they, if they auto-attack you, that's fine, you back up, but if they're like on the height of your wave and she's like standing next to your casters, you can definitely let her auto attack you once and then back up because that means that your minions are going to attack her. So ranged top laners are extremely squishy. Quinn, uh, Mininar, and Vayne, they get hurt by the minions. Plus they don't have any HP regeneration. So that damage sticks to them. While you, you will definitely go Doran Shield second wind against ranged matchups. You're going to regenerate back up. So you need to find that perfect middle where you can back up the whole time. By the way, you will not get any last hits. I can guarantee you that. You will not. But that's not even the problem. You want to stay in that gray zone where you're still in range for XP, where the enemy doesn't zone you off of XP. And if they attack you, you want your minions to, you know, retaliate on her so she has to back up again so you can walk up for potentially maybe a Q farm or whatever. But never, ever, ever try to fight a ranged top lane at level 1. It's a very bad idea, and I know that because I try a lot, which is really bad. So, okay, cool, yeah, makes sense. Um, is there any point where that changes? Like, what you know, at, at what point are you actually able to go in on that range top later? Yeah, so you know, you imagine the wave, so you obviously lose priority super hard. There's like this semi big wave sitting under your turret now. And you just wait. Even if the enemy top laner is harassing you under your turret, you just wait until the until your turret kills the enemy wave, the slow push wave. And after that, you're you are starting the slow push, you know, because your minions are gonna stack under your own turret and you're gonna start a slow push towards the enemy, and no range top laner can break that. So that's about the 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 time when you turn from level three to level four, and that's when basically it's your turn, you know, you have a option because you're level 4 and you're a bruiser and in best case scenario you're maybe like still 3 quarters of HP, which is more than enough. And the fun thing about Aatrox versus ranged top laners is, is that Aatrox has a pretty easy time getting close to them. For example, Cassiopeia, what I love to do is just AFK, unironically, 
until like I'm level four, you know, I didn't miss any XP, but I gave up most of my last hits. And then I start slow pushing to her because that's just how the game works. She can't stop that. That will happen every game. Uh, if I hit the first Q, W combo, 99% of the time, they will either die or they, they will have to flash because ranged champions are so squishy. Aatrox's base stats at level four, you know, the base AD and the levels, the second point he puts into the Q are more than enough to one-shot them or make them burn flash. If you're in a good position, you just flash after them and kill them. So that's the fun thing about range top. Because, you know, if you watch people play, you will notice that most range top lane matchups, either the bruiser, the Aatrox, is like 0 and 20, or the range just gets absolutely stomped. Because if you're patient enough as a bruiser player, you can just completely stat check them at like level 4 to level 6. So it's all about patience. Okay, awesome. I, I love that. Is is there any counterplay to that? You know, from the perspective of the ranged top laner, what should they do to avoid that? Um, there's basically, if it's a really, really good Aatrox, like if the Aatrox is just absolutely better, there's like unironically nothing they can do. But what the good ranged players do is just having really good movement. Like there's nothing they can do except for having good movement, which means not getting hit by crits. If they get hit by the crits, then they're dead. But if they don't, if they know how the Aatrox moves, or the Aatrox will E, or the Aatrox will, you know, do whatever, and they don't get crit, then they, you know, don't get one shot. And if the Aatrox use this whole combo, Aatrox auto attacks suck, so they just kill him then. So it's kind of a high risk, high reward type of thing. So it depends who is better. Can the Aatrox hit the full combo and just absolutely send you to hell? Or can you maybe avoid two or three of those cues? Then the Aatrox is probably dead because he used the C in an offensive way because he has to, because you're ranged and you just run him down the lane, you know? Okay, cool. There's uh, one more thing I wanted to ask. Um, in those matchups where you do get pushed in early, um, or well, in most cases, when you get pushed in early, when it comes to the scuttle crab, if your jungler ends up, you know, starting a fight on the scuttle crab in topside, um, isn't that going to be a problem? And how do you deal with that? Um, there's like more things to that. As Aatrox, you probably leash a lot of times, so that doesn't happen because you know getting prio as Aatrox is hard enough. So you really only don't want to leash if you're really confident in getting prio because that's just how it works, you know, like. The jungler starts either top or bot, which means they will end up on either bot or top crab. So if he starts on blue buff, he will end up on the bottom, uh, depending on what side you're on. But, you know, he will be on the other side of the map. If he starts top, he will, at minute three, you know, he will be trying to contesting the bot crab. If he starts on the bot side of the map and the bot lane leashes, he will end up on the top crab. So when the jungler, your jungler, is like getting leashed bot lane, then your job is... I don't know how, or maybe you already knew that you're in a matchup where you're confident that you can get prior, then you have to just make sure that you get the priority for your jungler because that's your job. And if you don't do that, if your jungler is pathing to top lane and you didn't manage to get prior, that's basically your fault. Or maybe the jungler's fault for not leashing when you told them to leash because you know you will not get prior simply because of the, maybe you're unexperienced, maybe you're not confident, or maybe the matchup is just too hard for you. And for example, against like Jace, and cannon, it's like impossible to get prio. So it's a pretty stupid move from the jungler to not start top lane in that situation. Because most, you know, bot laners are most of the time having an easier time. And if if that happens, if the jungler paths to top lane and you don't have prio and he's getting collapsed on by mid lane and top lane and the jungle and 
you know, everything is going to hell, then all you have to do is just ping him off and he has to go to the other side of the map to get the other crap. But sadly, a lot of jungle players have, they don't have that knowledge. Like, they have the top crap and the enemy jungler also paths the top crap. And if their top laner doesn't have prior, they'll just die for the crap, which, you know, they could just also, they will lose a bit of time because they have to walk all the way around to the bot crap. But they will get the crab at least, right? So it's not as horrible as, first of all, not getting a crab. So the enemy team gets a double crab and you die. Like, that's basically GG, isn't it? So it's kind of a ego drop for the jungler most of the time. But some, some of the times it's also your fault if you don't manage to get prior. But you should never leave lane. If, if you're getting pushed under turret and there's minions under your turret, don't leave lane. Get those minions. If you, if you give them, like, there's nothing you can do because you're probably underleveled. The you know it's just way not it's just not worth it, right? Okay. Um, on that actually, a different thing I want to ask on that. Um, you say if there's minions under your turrets, never leave lane. What if your jungler is getting invaded in the top side? Like, let's say it's just I don't know an enemy Rengar or something who's sitting in the brush. Do you do you are you willing to leave for that, or is it really a, a hard rule? Depending on how big the wave is, if it's just a couple of them, then I will be able to help. But it always depends on how big it is. But it's quite unusual for that to happen most of the time. Because if you're under turret, that means that you probably leashed. And if you're probably leashed, then there, there's nothing to be invaded on top side. You know? So the only time that you can get invaded is if your jungler is pathing to top side. And if he's doing that, then you should be technically fine on top lane. And if something happens, you just collapse on the jungler that is invading. But yeah, if the jungler is invading and you don't have prior, then it's looking kind of rough. And even if you like, if you have to move, make sure that you're on the equal level as the enemy top laner. Because if you're not, then you're probably going to lose the skirmish anyways. Because if you're pushed under turret, that means the enemy top laner will join on the invade as well. And if that, you know, 2v2 is because probably your jungler is going to be in a weaker spot because he, the enemy jungler has the element of surprise and you're one level lower than the enemy top laner, then you're more, more, most likely going to lose that. So if you have to move, then make sure at least that you're the same level as the enemy top laner. Okay. Yep, that makes sense. Now, I also wanted to ask about teleport. And specifically, how are you using teleport in the early game? Um, do you ever want to make like proactive plays, like teleporting to bot, for example? Or are you mostly looking to you know just teleport back to lane? Um, I hate teleporting to bot lane, and that's a big mistake I make a lot because I, I kind of want to have as much impact as possible. But just because you teleport on the other side of the map early on doesn't mean you're not still that useless kind of champion in the early game. So first of all, you never want to TP to anywhere. I mean, of course, except for top lane. Like You don't want to TP anywhere except for top lane if the wave state doesn't allow it. The only time you have a TP window where you can try to help is when you have pushed your wave and the enemy top laner's wave is slowly slow pushing to you and stacking under the enemy tower. If that is not the case, I do not care how free it looks, you should not TP. Like The only time you should TP is if they're literally in front of your nexus, then that's fine. But teleporting early on is extremely, extremely, extremely risky because if something just remotely goes wrong, and you lose a slow push because if the enemy top laner sees you teleporting, he will either match your TP, which is not that bad because he will miss a lot of minions because his wave is slow pushing. 
but if something goes wrong and you die, which is most likely the case because you're still that kind of useless uh, level 3, level 4 Aatrox, then you will lose all, that, all of that slow push and that's probably like 4 or 5 waves worth of minions. And that's just, I think, also game over. Um, early on, I think you should just focus to use your TP to either, like, if you get out-traded and you make a mistake, use your TP to compensate that so you can get an early base and go back to lane so you're fine again. Or you just want to hold on to it and play the waves as correctly as possible. The best thing you can do is never use it, technically, right? So if you play the waves correctly, you slow push into the enemy, it slow pushes back to you, so you don't have to TP back to lane because there is a big wave building, so you can maybe try to look for a freeze, you can maybe try to do whatever you want. So technically you never have to TP. And for those proactive plays, starting level 6, you can maybe try to join in into maybe a mid fight or a dragon fight or maybe a tower dive or whatever. But I think 3-6, because you asked about it early, teleporting on Aatrox can be... It could break the camel's back, basically. If you mess up level 3, it's horrible. If you mess up a TP at level 6, it's not as bad. Especially if it's like a 2 for 2 situation, even if you die. But if it's like a fair trade, then it's all right. But if it's in the early stages of the game, it's really, really risky and it can make or break a game. Okay. Um, what if the enemy, la uh, enemy top laner chooses to make that proactive TP? Would you want to match that, you know, knowing that they can't push top or anything like that? Or do you prefer to use that time to maybe push it yourself and, I don't know, get a plating or a good reset? It depends on your intuition and your experience and your knowledge of the game. Because if you're like if you've played a lot of league and a lot of top lane you can kind of tell first of all if the enemy top laner is teleporting while his wave is slow pushing it's kind of int because i think then i would never almost follow up because i just instantly start pushing get the platings which is really worth and just spam ping my team away as good as i can um which works more in high elo than in low elo in low elo probably will be a quite quite of a fiesta but even then you should just focus on getting top platings and like you can tell after some time of playing top lane, that if somebody TPs, if the enemy top laner TPs, you can like tell if it's gonna be good for your team or bad. If it's like good for your team and the TP looks pretty int from the enemy top laner, then you should just keep on pushing and get the plates. But if you're like, okay, I have to try to help here and I can like actually do something, then you can join in. But if, for example, your bot lane is half HP and the enemy bot lane is full HP, and the enemy top laner is teleporting behind them. If you join that, there is nothing gonna happen. Your bot lane is destined to die. But if like it's quite equal, and the only thing that's gonna happen is uh, if you TP is it's gonna make a fair fight, then you should do it. But obviously, also if your wave allows it, I think that's still more important. I would gladly give a kill or two to the top laner if I at least didn't mess up my wave. Because that's just super important, especially in the in the early game. If it's like level six, then I maybe give up one wave. If it's an important TP, then I'll just join in. But if that happens, like if the because that happens a lot when the enemy top laner just TPs bot lane at like level four, like if that's just a bad TP, then I will not follow. And if the team flames you for that, hey, just slash mute all. Like you know what's better. Okay, all right. Uh, there's one thing as well. I think you touched on this a little bit earlier. In a perfect case, you wouldn't have to TP ever if, you're, if your lane state is good. Can you explain what exactly is that situation? In which case would you be able to just walk the lane instead of teleporting? Yeah, so basically is there's like multiple wave states, right? There's like the neutral wave, 
when you know at the start of the game your wave comes the enemy wave comes and they will meet in the middle of the lane um if that happens for example at like level five you base and you see the wave state as neutral because like both of your waves meet in the middle and you have tp you should tp to that if you don't tp to that the minions will kill each other at an equal rate and you will lose minions at an equal rate which is not that good so you should tp to that state but if you play the lane properly and you get pushed in or the enemy gets pushed in whatever it is it doesn't matter after that the wave will always be like turn based so you start slow pushing a big wave your big wave will sit under the enemy's turret and as long as the enemy top laner doesn't absolutely obliterate that wave which most of the time in early levels they can't it will mean that they will slow push back to you like you totally don't have to tp to that that's going to be a huge wave and you will miss minimal minions because the enemy wave will be so strong that your little wave that will come up is not really able to hold on and maybe kill only one or two melee minions of the enemy so then you should definitely not tp to that if the wave is like almost neutral like maybe a little bit more on the enemy side then you can probably tp but if you play the slow push game properly then you should always be basing with your big wave under the enemy turret and just there a tsunami of enemy minions just coming towards you you shouldn't tp to that so basically you can do that forever okay i like that, that that's a good explanation <laughs> awesome um there's one thing I also wanted to ask, because I'm curious, about Aatrox's ult, because I wouldn't really know how to use it. What makes for a good moment to use Aatrox ult? That's actually a good question, because people like complain to me as well that I use my ulti so late always. But what people don't understand is that the enemy team is not stupid. So the most mistakes that happen with Aatrox's ult is people like use the Aatrox ult from 10 miles away, right? Three seconds or two seconds before a fight starts, they will already you have the Aatrox ult uh, opened up, which isn't good for two reasons. First of all, it's not that long of a ult, so if you're unlucky and you can't get a reset, it probably won't be wasted, but it definitely loses value if you don't get a reset and you can't extend the duration. Second of all, the enemy team isn't stupid. If they see you ulting from 10 miles away, they just extend the fight and maybe just back up for a couple of seconds until your ulti is gone again. So that's bad. So what I do and what most people are falsely criticizing is I use my ultimate either during or after a combo, which depends on if the combo is lethal or not or can be lethal or not. So if I'm comboing somebody, which would be the first Q, W, I, I will hit the first Q and the W without ult. And if I then feel like I have kill pressure, I hit the ultimate, so my second Q can be, first of all, I have the movement speed boost, so I can uh, can place my second Q in a better way, so I hit my second crit, then the W pulls, and then I will have the third crit in the middle, and then I will go for the empowered passive auto attack. So that is kind of the surprise factor, because if you go ulti QW, first of all, they will see the ulti from you, which means that they can maybe use tools to escape. But if you just QW without the ulti, it will not be as big of a threat as if you, you know, just ult from the beginning. If you ult from the beginning, oh no, scary Aatrox is coming towards me. But if you just Q normally, but then pop the ulti in between the first and the second Q, you will have that damage boost and the enemy top laner or whoever it is that you're fighting will have a pretty big problem. 
And the second thing I can do, if it's like not lethal, if I feel like I will have to combo, but if I ulti in the combo, the enemy will just run away. Then what I do is I hit the full combo. And then I, after I hit the full combo, I will ulti so I can have the movement speed and I try to finish them off with my auto attacks. So that's what I do. Okay, cool. That's really interesting. All right. Let's uh, switch topics a little bit and let's talk about items. So first of all, I think you mentioned this earlier, but I think you start with a Doran shield, right? Why do you do that? Depending on matchup, but just like Second Wind, you can go Doran shield in literally every matchup and you can go Doran's blade in matchups that you're more confident and that allow it. Okay, so what are some examples of that? Um, some examples of that would be um, against Riven, you can totally go Doran's blade against Renekton against um, all of the weaker champions like Mordekaiser, Ilawi. Um, but champions who are like more kind of annoying, kind of hitting you, running away, that's when you need like Doran's shield. Like against Garen, you can go Doran's blade. Against Poppy, you can go Doran's blade. Against Shen, you can. Um, against Darius as well, against Klet. You know, stuff that doesn't really have much range. But as, as I said, like you need confidence for that. Because Doran's, like Doran's shield's healing is you get hit, you heal. Doran's blade is you have to hit to heal. And if you're not confident in hitting the enemy, you're not going to heal, which basically means that you have that AD and you have the, that Omnivamp, but you can't really use it. So if you're a beginner on Aatrox, you can always run Doran's shield no matter what. And then if you feel to, you know, pick up some more experience and some more matchup knowledge and how to play against certain champions, then you can move on to Doran's blade. Okay. Um... Then what items are you looking to buy early on Aatrox? I am a 100% supporter of Grudge Drinker. I know there's like kind of insane items or mythics people go for. Like I always go Grudge Drinker. Um, there is some moments for Stridebreaker where that isn't, you know, terrible to go. But Stridebreaker is extremely nerfed after, you know, Aatrox kind of benefited from the dash and Aatrox also worked pretty well with the 90% slow, but now that it's only, I don't know how much it is, like 40 something, it's like pretty underwhelming and you should only go Stridebreaker on Aatrox if it's like four ranged or whatever on the enemy team where it's like, where you feel like you will never hit more than one person with Goa Drinker because Goa Drinker isn't that useful if you can't hit more than one person. And if you're against ranged, then you might as well not hit against anybody. So Stridebreaker might be the better option then. But my classic build, it would be the high damage Aatrox build, which basically is God Drinker into Zerilda's Grudge. You buy boots in between, you know, obviously you can go Tabi, Mercs, or Ionian boots. So it would be um, God Drinker, Zerilda, Sterax, and then the last two items, you know, if you count the boots as well. The last two items will be situational for armor or magic resist. Your options would be either Spirit Visage or Abyssal Mask. Those are the two magic resist options. Um, if you're against full AP, you can go both of those items. That's not a problem. And for armor, you would have Dev Stance. You have actually quite a lot. You have Dev Stance, you have Randoin's Omen, you have Dawn Mail. Some, nah, some people go Frozen Heart, but it's kind of troll. So yeah, basically those three. So you have Dev Stance ah, and GA. So those would, those would be your options. But if you're like in a, like in a decent spot, I think Godrink as Rilda into Starax is the bread and butter for Aatrox. Okay. Is uh is Cyrilda's, is that a thing that all Aatroxes do, or is that something that only you do? Um, in EU West, it's something that I only I do, and I get a lot of 
criticism for that as well in Zoloqueue, but it's something that I have to practice on. It's not a obviously I didn't invent that. It's a build that a that my favorite HOX player, which is a Chinese player, which he invented, which would be, you know, Godling Casildas into Stadax build. And I think it's just a really good build because it defines everything Ajox is about. Because you go God Drinker, and then you go Zerilda, and then you have to go Sterox. So when you buy Zerilda, you will still be quite squishy, right? So you can't get that early tankiness. But if you go Sterox second, you will not be at the height of your strength. So you can buy Zerilda seconds, but you can still be scaling with levels. And then by the time you have Sterox, you are at the height of your power if you talk about the champion and the items because at the time you buy third item probably the time you're 15 16 or it depends on how much gold you have maybe even 14 and that's literally when Aatrox is at his strongest and so you will have the peak in your items and the peak in your damage but i always tell people like it's it's a very risky build i never said it's like super free or whatever you have to play way more safe and you have to play way more clean because if you make a mistake Cyrilda is no tanky at all, and you are going to get killed. Because Aatrox doesn't heal because he heals, he, he heals because he deals damage. So if you build more damage, he will heal more. But he just doesn't have as much HP, you know, that he can heal off. So if he's only 2.5k, he can only heal up to 2.5k. But if you play it smartly, it can be a huge impact. Okay, awesome. So... Just real quick on the lading phase, um, when you're still building Gore Drinker, what components are you buying for that first? Um, that depends on my base. So if I have a 1.1k base, 99.9% of the time I go for the Iron Spike Whip. Not necessarily because it's any better than Phage. Phage is completely fine, but just because I like it because it's more of an aggressive option. Because first of all, it gives more AD. It has the active, which is really good for farming, especially under turret. And it also is a auto attack reset. And it uh, gives you a Conqueror's deck, which, you know, just gives you more dual chances. Um, if I have a Shiria base, like maybe 750 gold, then I like to go um, the Ruby Crystal Longsword combo, which is pretty solid. And then you obviously have to finish the Phage, which is a pretty fair item. You know, you can heal kind of. It gives decent damage, some tankiness. It's, it's quite all right. Um, or if, if the matchup requires it, I have to go for the 800 gold uh, Bramble or Executioner's Rush. Okay, what matchups would that be? For the anti-heal, um, that would be... That, all, that also depends. For example, against, uh, against Fiora, I always rush Executioner's. Um, but against like Wukong and Jax, I love to rush Bramble and Ninja Tabi. Because Wukong and Jax are just so, so auto-attack reliant. And like 99.9% .9 of their damage comes from other attacks. That, especially when they also have an AD jungler, Bramble Tabi is a huge thing for them. I would buy like Steel Caps when it's legit a auto attack focused champion, which would be Wukong, Jax, or like uh, Yon and Yasuo. Even against Yon and Yasuo. Well, against Yasuo, yeah, against Yon, I wouldn't go um, Steel Caps. Against Yasuo, I would definitely buy that pretty early on. Same goes for Trindamere. So if you, if you know, like, if it's a very auto-attack-based champion, against uh, ranged as well, by the way, if you rush Tabis or Steel Caps against ranged champions like Lucian, Quinn, um, Vayne, or whatever, that's completely fine as well. 
Okay. Um, are there any like situational items for Aatrox that you know you might swap out in, in your build? Like, are there any very specific items that you buy in very specific situations? Kinda, yeah. For example, like Omen. If the enemy team has a Yasuo, Yon, or Trindamere, you kinda have to go Randuin's Omen because of the effect of the, of the crit reduction and the general blocking of damage. And Randuin's Omen actually works quite well on Aatrox because it also gives a decent amount of cooldown reduction and it's not that bad of an item. And Aatrox can apply the, you know, the effect, the AoE debuff quite well. So that would be a situational item, which I don't go every game. And what I also do is, what maybe other people don't do, is I love to go situational component items, which I don't finish. So for example, let's say I finished up my Goa Drinker, but then I press tab and I see, oh damn, enemy Diana jungle is 3-0 and zero and she already has her mythic finished or whatever it is that might look problematic. And I'm like, okay. Let me just buy the Negatron Cloak for 900, you know, the thing that builds into Abyssal Mask, the magic resist item. I will just buy that and then continue with my build because that might make or break you in a fight because that's actually pretty impactful. So if you see like a big threat on the enemy team, which is getting slowly fed, you can actually buy the component of either, you know, you can maybe buy the armor item or you can buy a Negatron Cloak. Because it's like 900 gold and it's a very, very good magic resist item. And Aatrox's levels, like Aatrox doesn't need, necessarily need items to deal damage. So if you go God Drinker into a 900 gold investment for magic resist, you will still kill that jungler. Because the magic resist will extend the fight to the point where you will kill him. Because you can outheal him. If you don't have that and you just go damage instead, what most of the time happens is they will just one-shot you and then you're gone. But if you have that little amount of uh, resistance, that's what's going to put you over the edge. And if you abuse them like that, then you can also get your damage item quicker um, later on. Okay, interesting. Lastly, uh, what's your opinion on some of the newer top lane items that were introduced? Um, Anathemas and Hullbreaker. Uh, do you ever buy those? Um, Hullbreaker is, a, in my opinion, a pretty bad item, especially on Aatrox. I think not, not even split pushers buy that item as much. Like, you see it sometimes on like Fiora or Yorick, but I think on Aatrox it's very um, not well placed. And Athemas, there's actually a, like a tank build. I used to go sometimes. It's basically Godrinka into Anathemas into Sterax, which is quite all right if you place the Anathemas properly on a enemy champion. Then you might be a pretty good tank machine, and that's a decent build. But I personally don't like it as much because you're you know you're quite tanky and you don't have that much damage. So I prefer just to go the damage route and get my 20% CDR from Cyrilda instead of Anathemas. But Anathemas can be used pretty well as a second item. Okay. Um, and there's one thing I was curious about as well. I saw that you almost always switch to the blue trinket uh, the moment that you can buy it. Um, why is that? Um, you can buy blue trinket at level nine. And most of the time at level nine, you're still in laning phase. And the good thing about Blue Trinket is that, first of all, you can deep ward without risking of getting killed and like without leaving your lane too much. So what I like to do is I go Blue Trinket and I don't forget, you always have to buy pink wards if you have the money for it. So you place a pink ward for your bush, you know, your lane bushes, which would be either the river bush or the tri bush. So you place your pink ward there and then you use the Blue Trinket to scout enemy camps. 
So we, you can either blue trinket the red buff. You can blue trinket if you have a suspicion of a jungler maybe being somewhere. You can blue trinket that, and you can do that all from the lane. If you are at the river bush, you can like take maybe two steps forward, and then you can already uh, ward the red buff. Or I think from lane you can literally ward the enemy crux or gromp depending on what side you're on obviously i was talking from one side but you can always ward either the side camp or the buff camp on whatever side you're on so i think if you use your pink bots properly it's a very good way of getting early information and protecting yourself from potential ganks or even protecting your mid laner from the potential ganks you know depending on where the jungler is pathing to awesome cool yeah let's uh switch gears a little bit and talk about the mid and late game. Starting with the mid game, what is Aatrox's role uh, in this phase of the game? So in mid game, that's basically, you know, Aatrox is a mid game champion, which means that's when he wants to shine. That's when he wants to get his advantage on. So basically what you want to do is that mid game is most of the time like level, I would say 10 to 13. And at level 9, you max the Q, so that's a big power spike. At level 13, you have maxed the E. So at level 13, Aatrox would be the strongest, and that's about minute... Level 13 is about minute 22, 25, something like that. So that's when you want to make some game-changing teamfights, and that's when Aatrox can be way more useful than other top laners in a teamfight, because his E is maxed, because his E passive gives him the Omnivamp, so that's the maximum amount, and the Q is the maximum amount. So that's basically when you want to look to fight around an objective. So for example, if there's a Drake up, you want to join that, uh, either by walking there or by just pushing top and joining with a TP, depending on what you have. And then basically what your job is, is to play the team fight as cleanly as possible by providing your team with a very nice frontline that can just dish out damage and just not die for some reason. And the enemy team just runs out of damage because they all have basically killed you almost twice in one fight, but you just didn't manage to die. Okay. Um, that's interesting. So I, I guess it's like, especially if you have TP, you'd mostly be looking to split, right? Um, if in a specific game you have a huge advantage in the mid game, like maybe you completely won the laning phase and you have a lot of kills, would you still be looking to split push and respond to like an objective with TP, or would you make more proactive plays? Like, how would you play that situation? Well, people confuse splitting with just side laning. Like, those are two different things, right? Splitting um, basically means that you're pushing the side lane, even though your team needs you or your team could use you in in a fight or whatever or even if you should be somewhere else, that's splitting. So your team might lose a fight, but you're splitting, right? Yeah, like you're pushing the side lane. That's like not what Aatrox does. So I don't call it splitting. I just call it just normal side laning, which is completely like, that doesn't just restrict to Aatrox, like everybody does that. So when bot Drake is up and you have TP, your job is to go top lane, because if your mid laner doesn't have TP, then it would be a stupid move for, for you to send the mid laner without TP top lane because there is no way he's going to join the dragon fight. So you're just going to be top lane, just like the enemy top laner is probably going to be top lane because he also has TP. So what you're just going to do is protect your turrets or whatever it is. If I am ahead, I will try to kill the enemy top laner and then keep on pushing. And depending on how the 
Drake situation goes, I will either look to help. If they don't need my help, I will maybe try to invade the top jungle, take some camps from the enemy, or maybe, you know, try to get a lead in that way. But in the, the, the most classic situation is basically that both players with TP or whatever, like you always want to send two players who have TP to the opposite side of the objective. So if the Baron is up but no Drake, the guys with the TPs are going bot lane. And if I'm super fed, I'm, I'm, I'll gladly go bot lane and kill whoever is defending the turret. Because if they send four people bot lane, that's a free Baron. If I'm super fed and they send five people top lane, that's a free Drake. And if I played super cleanly, I will avoid five people top lane. We will see, oh, okay, there's like way more people there. That's just a free Drake. There's like, they can't contest that. So it always depends on a good map awareness. And, you know, it also has, it also depends on how good your vision is and how good your game sense is. What you'd never want to do is just perma push and sit under enemy T2. There's like a middle of the wave, which is your side and the enemy side. And the river basically splits the map into a safe zone and a dangerous zone. If you're at the enemy side of the river, that's quite dangerous and you're pretty prone to ganks and you might die just because the enemy has a shorter way to that spot of wherever you are because it's their side of the map and it's quicker for them to rotate. If you're on your side, you're fine. So you always want to push your wave into the enemy side, but you don't want to sit on the enemy side forever. You want to push the wave and then get out and then maybe wait or maybe use the time where your wave is in a dangerous spot where you shouldn't be, that's a time where you can maybe go for a roam. That's when you can TP to the Drake. That's when you can go get a jungle camp or whatever it is that you might have to do. You can reset then as well because the wave is going to push. Like there's a lot of things that you can do. Okay, awesome. I <laughs> I love the the distinction between split pushing and side laning. That's, that seems quite important. Um, in a different situation, let's say if you are quite far behind instead, like maybe you wouldn't even be able to safely push the minions past the river, um, you'd be more stuck under turret while side laning. What do you do in that case? Do you still TP even though you know your side is, is pushed in? Like, are there risks to that? How do you play that situation? Um, that depends on how the the whole game situation is right now. Like, if I imagine myself, you know, being weaker and being pushed in, that might be a chance for us to give up Drake and kill whoever is bullying me on top lane so I can come back maybe or maybe we can start another play through that or basically if I'm getting perma pushed in but I can't be dove that's fine as well so I, I at least can defend the tower what's really bad is being so far behind that you can get dove and just have to give up everything and basically uh, it doesn't matter if you're there or not the enemy top lane is just gonna finish basically because you don't matter if you're that far behind that's a big problem but if you're like behind but you can still defend the turret that's good and if the enemy top laner keeps on pushing then they're gonna make that mistake that i told you about where they're like very prone to gangs and you can leave the 4v4 situation for your team and if your team judges the situation correctly they can either win the fight on their own because you need to leave your team alone sometimes and pray for the best thing to happen or they will just lose the 4v4. But like in both situations, there's not much you can do. And it's quite RNG, I would say. But it's always a smart move would be that, especially if it's on the early stage, or if you already have drakes, because soul is not always win condition, what you can do is just give up a drake, if you can give it up, and then just try to shut down or, you know, just kill the person, whoever put me behind, so I can maybe start to slowly, you know, hold my own as well. 
Okay, cool. Lastly, um, what if you don't have your TP up? Maybe you know there was already a fight and you TP to it. Do you still side lane, or is that a point where you would just group with your team instead of side laning? There's two things you can do. Um, if you're lucky, you have a maybe a mid laner or an ADC who has TP. So if you have another player on your team who has TP, you send that guy to the side lane. And unironically, if there is a objective, if there is Drake or Nasher coming up, and your team doesn't give it away because you feel like you can contest it or you can either even get it and you don't have TP, you legit just go there. If the if if yeah, the enemy wave is sitting under your turret and you're missing minions, that sucks, but you have to you just have to give that up. So there's just no way that you can go bot lane without TP and your team is 10 kilometers away from you fighting for a big objective. So if that happens, you reset, you go by, and you just walk straight to whatever objective it is that you need. Okay. So either you have TP on your team and you send that person, or you just give up the wave that's pushing in. Right. Okay. Um, as for the late game, once the game goes really long, does that strategy just continue going? Is that just what you continue doing the entire game? Or uh, do you change your strategy at some point? That's basically how League of Legends works, right? You basically just want to avoid as many fights as possible after laning phase, of course. Macro basically means is you want, always want to keep the side lanes pushed and you always want to fight for objectives. And you just keep on playing objectives until one team gets soul and the soul is just a clear advantage over the enemy team. Same goes for Baron, you know? You just fight for objectives and those objectives normally give you that little bit of extra power that you need in late game just to completely demolish the enemy team. Okay. All right. I uh, finally want to ask kind of your high-level view on the game as a whole. Uh, first of all, how do you improve at the game? Um, that depends on what kind of person you are. Like, I, I've seen many people have problems with that on how to improve it. Like, they don't know what to do. So... There's like a small little saying a, I remember from like when I was still pretty like young and my teacher told me that they basically like told me that you need to learn how to learn. Maybe it's, it sounds stupid in English, but it kind of makes sense. Like you need to know how to educate yourself and get better at things. And if you don't know that, you have a problem. So what I, you know, what I did me personally, because I just knew how to improve because I kinda, not exactly, but I kinda knew what I could have been doing wrong technically. So I've been playing top lane, right? And I obviously wanted to get higher elo. So every time I lost, I just tried to figure out what it could have been that I did wrong. If I feel like it was something with the minions, I just tried to educate myself the best way possible on what is the information you need about minion waves? How do minion waves behave? How does it work? How does Aatrox work? How does Aatrox work in relationship to the minions? So I did that basically through YouTube. Like I think 99% is just YouTube by Googling and like searching up videos of uh, what is wave management? How to slow push? How to freeze? When to freeze? When to push? You know, stuff like that. And th there's like millions, not millions, but like hundreds, like there's enough footage on YouTube from very well-documented videos who are super true as well, where you can just watch that and try to educate yourself and 
you know, be a better player in that way. If you if you maybe think that you do something wrong with Aatrox, what you can do is you can watch uh, all these Chinese super players and superstars and absolute like players who are even ten times better than me. Like you can just watch those, and if you have empathy, you can like you can imagine as if you were the person playing, and you can like feel okay. When does this guy press Q? Where does he stand when he press Q? Where does he stand when he doesn't Q? Like you know, all these things. You just have to be willing to improve, and you need to be very observant of how other people play and how just the game works in general. So it's very difficult, but if you are uh, I think you just need also a type of hunger in you and you need that desire to be better. And I think you only get that either by nature, just, just some people just really want to get good and some people just want to get good, but it's more of like on a wish basis. Like if a fairy came up to them and told them if they wanted, they could get challenger, they would take it, of course. But then when, if somebody told them all the work, even if it sound maybe sound a bit ridiculous, but there, it is like serious work to you know educate yourself, then they might not want to do that, or maybe they have just too big ego. That's another big problem. If you're too stubborn, if you're too arrogant, if you think you know it all, even though you evidently don't because you're not the best, then you also won't learn, even if you have all the information in the world. You will not learn if your brain doesn't allow old information to die and new information to take over. So I think it's all about being an adaptive player and admitting to your mistakes and admitting that you're not perfect and just the drive and the willingness to just improve. What do you do if you don't know specifically where your mistakes are or what you should improve on? What if you can't identify one thing? Uh, what you can do is you can assume what might be the problem. For example, when I, I used to lose a lot like I used to lose a lot against Fiona, like to the point where I ban her even. And but then I'm like, I see all these like these Chinese players, they just like not easily, but they completely beat Fiona. So I'm like, okay, it must be me. So like for example, in that matchup, like I try to like try to look for specific things that you can play around in that matchup, which would be against Fiona, for example, you want to play around her W cooldown without getting hit by the W. And then having a big time window where you can punish him. And you are supposed to place your cues in the directions of where his vital passive is on your champion. So if the vital points towards him, you know he's going to dash towards you. But it, the time where I always lost against Fiora, I was kind of winging it. And then I get stunned by her W. And then you can just complain, oh my god, it's such a long stun. How broken is Fiora? Like You can either do that or you can just you know, try to troubleshoot. And if and like you can just assume that that might be the problem, and you might be wrong, and you might be right. I think that's kind of luck based. But what you can also do is just get coaching, I guess, which is I don't want to say also lucky, depending on who you have as a coach. But I think most coaches, especially if you're on a, with a quite experienced coach, which is probably going to be expensive, so you shouldn't get coaching if it's like if you don't really want to improve. Like I, I also do coaching sometimes and I always say that if you really don't want to then like you really have to want this otherwise it's just a waste of time for both of us basically so a challenger player will definitely be able to look at you play and actively tell you what you're doing wrong but the thing is that like if you're not the person that like isn't hungry enough or it just isn't willing to learn 
he can tell you like the solution to everything and you just won't be able to do anything with that. All right. That makes a lot of sense. How do you deal with the kind of games where your mid and bots, you know, just completely lose their lanes or maybe, you know, the jungle comes top and dies to your top laner? Um, do you still to look to learn from those games as well? Or is it just something that you try to move past and, and you know, go next? Um, if I also kind of lost or kind of went out even, there's most of the time almost nothing you can do. And that's just an unlucky game, even if you didn't necessarily do great. Um, or even if you didn't really lose, then you're, it's probably going to be a tough game and you should probably FF, which is not a bad thing. Like if your bot lane is really getting hard stomped and you're not fed, then it's almost impossible. What I do like to say is if you're stomping your lane and you're like two levels ahead of the enemy top laner, but your bot lane is like 0-5, that is still a winnable game because bot laners have to share. So when you're 3 and 0 on top lane and you're like level... I don't know, level 10, and the enemy ADC is like 3-0, they will be level 8 or level 9. So if you play it correctly, you can get that shutdown and you can turn that game around. That is completely doable. So if you win your lane, but your, you know, a proportion of your team doesn't, you can definitely like bounce them back into the game. I mean, of course, there are games where it's literally unwinnable. I am not even kidding. Like there are games where it's just not like playable, but that's for everybody. That doesn't that, that has nothing to do with Aatrox, basically. Like sometimes there's just games where it's legitimately unplayable. And then you just have to accept that and it's fine. But like what you can also do is that, for example, if you're like even in lane and you're not you didn't really win top lane, but you also didn't really lose, and then your bot lane loses, and that's why you lose, there's like two approaches to that. You can either be like, oh my god, my bot lane, I, I, I just played normally and my bot lane is uh, inting, I always lose because of that, and like ex have an excuse like that, which is a valid excuse. That's, you know, it's not false to say that. You can either do that, or what you can also do is, damn, if I could have just stomped this Mordekaiser, I could have definitely killed the enemy Draven or Ezreal for sure, and then maybe I could have had a chance to win. And then you will just try to try harder next time to win that specific matchup where you felt like you could have done better. So I think that's the more healthy way of looking at games than just being um, critical of your teammates, even if it's not wrong to be so. Even if it's correct to criticize them, maybe it should, it should still be better to, to just look at yourself. It's not completely, it's not always doable. I, I can't always do it, but I try to. And I think that's uh, what separates somebody from like who wants to learn and somebody who's just stuck in... I mean, there's high elo players who do that, but it's just a very bad approach to the game, in my opinion. And it's very bad energy as well, because that might put you in a bad mood, and that might make you lose lane or make you more um, distracted from other things, because you're still in mind... Your mind is still at that inting bot lane. So I think that's a good way of staying positive and improving even more. Right. Focusing on yourself, and, you know, even if going gets tough you try to make something of it yes i think that's you know i'm not saying that it's always you but most of the time it should be you and even if it isn't you should still look at yourself because as long as you can't mind control other people and jump into their bodies there's no point in getting actively angry about them i'm not saying like i never do that but you have to try to do that right okay mm -hmm. all right the last question i have for you um what is the best atrox skin Ah, uh, 
the white chroma mecha atrox there's like a small story <laughs> because um the first time i have seen that particular chinese streamer who plays atrox who is like challenger in china only playing atrox uh he has played that white chroma and i I, ha- I haven't had like i only played the classic mecha because i i didn't really care about chromas but that the way white chroma just looked it looked very prestigious and in combination with his great and insane gameplay just like it just i, I don't know ever since i saw the combo of him playing plus that skin i just felt like i just play better with that skin personally like some people are like, oh, is Mecha uh, Aatrox pay to win? Nah, like all the hitboxes are the same. Like normal, like standard skin Aatrox hitbox is as weird sometimes as with skins. I I just feel like it's just I don't know. I just love it. But <laughs> prestige prestige is always co- also cool. So, but I just love the white Mecha. Awesome! I I love that story. All right, yeah. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you, man. Um, and it's been really awesome. Um, tell me where can people find out more about you? Um. Basically, my Twitch, I try to stream as much as I can almost every day. I mean, I've been taking a small break as of recently, but I'm probably going to start streaming anyways again. Um, that's basically twitch.tv slash Nail with uh, that's N-A-A-Y-I-L. And you can find like my Discord on there. You can find my Twitter there as well. So if you're interested, come say hi. If you want to learn HOX, if you want to have fun. Yeah. That's it for this episode. If you want to stay up to date with the podcast, be sure to join the Discord. It'll be the place for announcements, events like the Q&A, and perhaps even giveaways and more. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sending it to someone who you think would be interested in it as well. Thank you for listening.